What's up, queendom? Welcome back to it. I am going to let this episode kind of speak for itself here in a moment. But first, I just want to make three short notes. Number one, I talk so fast. It's as if the Roadrunner fucked me and it manifested itself coming out of my mouth through my words at a rapid pace. This tends to happen when I get passionate. So if English is not your first language, or if you just generally have a difficult time understanding babbling bitches who are going a million miles a minute, now would be the ideal time to pause and figure out how to slow this shit down if necessary. Number two, I say fuck a lot, like a lot, a lot. I haven't said fuck this many times since episode one when my mom was like, Lauren, you just, you you say fuck so much. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Ma, it's my favorite fucking word Um, because it is. So if that offends you, I am really sorry. I hope that you can look past it and that we can still be friends. Number three, this episode is a journey. It kind of reminds me of Twin Peaks, that that like 90s show <laughs> where it's like you never really know what the fuck's going on, but it's a journey and you can kind of just ride that wave till the wheels fall off. You know, um, this episode, it's like that. It, it's all over the place, not unlike myself. So as one of my very wise coaches says, um, actually, I'll talk about her in the episode, take what you want and leave what you don't. With that, let's adjust our crowns and get fucking spicy. Welcome to the Queendom. Your host, Lauren Mortacini. Hello and welcome back to Thy Queendom Come. I am your host, Lauren Mortacini, and I am so fucking stoked to have you here. Recently on the show, I have had so much fun shooting the shit and talking about all sorts of outrageous things with my friends, (laughs) but it has been a while since I've kind of done a an intuitive deep dive into my own human experience and have just sat down in front of the mic and processed it in a kind of dear diary way, which it absolutely is because it's like I'm sitting here and I'll get onto this stream of consciousness role and I will totally forget what I say until someone comes to me and talks about, you know, the sex dream I had about my dad. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I did put that out there (laughs) and just did again. But anyways, recently I have been the last couple weeks on a sort of mental journey, emotional journey, as we always kind of are. And so I'm just going to take you guys along with me on that today. I love these types of episodes because I love all of the different branches and the and the micro nuggets that different people pick up on and the different things that people resonate with and the different conversations that come from that. So a couple weeks ago, I saw the Anthony Bourdain documentary. I actually went on a very normal date to see this movie. I know you guys think that I just 
have threesomes and <laughs> make out with guys aggressively who leave me with pussy blisters on my chin and then leave for Boston and never call me again. But no, I do. I have normal dates. They don't make for great podcast episodes, but I do have them occasionally. Anyways, admittedly, I didn't know much about Anthony prior to his death or even really watching this documentary. I knew that he was a traveler, of course, a chef, a storyteller to some degree, but I really resonated with him so much in this documentary in a way that it lit something inside of me. Um, first and foremost, you know, he's he's a storyteller and something that he said about life was that writing and sharing stories and hearing stories and processing them on paper is a way to kind of take all of the chaos in life and really make something beautiful out of it and make something meaningful out of it. And I resonate with that as a writer. I have a strong stream of consciousness writing practice that I try to stay disciplined to. I found that when I do take the time to process the things that I experience and the ways that I feel in life, there is so much meaning in it. And I guess, you know, everything can be significant. Nothing can be significant. It's we all make of our experiences what we do. And Anthony was such a, a beautiful storyteller and he I, I, he lived for the story. And I resonated with that so deeply. And I also resonated with this, you know, he had this darkness inside of him. He had, he even said something about, you know, if, if wondering if he'd ever be able to kind of fill this hollowness that he experiences within. And it just, you know, it makes me think about the fact that he had, he had everything, quote unquote, right? Like he had, he traveled, he got to experience new things, he was successful, he was loved, and it still just kind of wasn't enough right? Like the darkness still was so evident in his life and eventually, eventually took him. And so it got me thinking, and you know, the last episode that I released, I was talking to my girl, Jen, about fantasy. And we were discussing it in, in the light of sexual fantasies. And it got brought up that I, <laughs> as, as long as I've been sexually aware or active, I've had a very vivid imagination. My fantasies, they range. Um, they are very creative. And I've noticed in myself that I really love that that moment before, the anticipation, the the rise to whenever this fantasy may come to fruition, right? This, this idea of what could be the the mystery of what it's going to look like, how it's going to feel. But unfortunately, so often, if I'm being honest, reality just doesn't, doesn't live, live up to it. Like whatever I had in my mind is somehow better than what reality ends up looking like. And and, you know, in the, in the episode with Jen, I was talking about how it's kind of like I get over it, right? Like I have, I'm attached to this feeling, this fantasy, whatever it is. And then it becomes reality. And then I'm just like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. And in light of just everything going on in my life, I, 
You know, how you do one thing is really how you do everything. And so I started to look at that kind of principle in my own life of fantasies, dreams, you know, these these ideas that we have for our future and that we become so attached to and that we place so much of our expected joy in. Since I was a kid, like my, I, I never really dreamed of, you know, the husband and the, the white picket fence and the kids and all that. But, you know, I had the, I had the dreams of traveling to faraway places and falling in love with exotic people and having these crazy adventures. And, and I've done that. I've done that a lot. I spent several years doing it after college. And there's always this, this fire, this, this excitement, this thrill when you're, when I'm on my way to this whatever's next, to this new adventure, you know, what's next? Who am I going to meet? Where am I going to find myself? What community am I going to be in? What crazy shit is going to happen? And then I get there. And honestly, a lot of the time in the past, it's like I get there and there's just still something missing. And it's almost as soon as I arrive, I'm, I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to chase whatever it is that's next, whatever it is that's coming. And and I thought about that with Anthony's story in the sense of he did have all these dreams of seeing these places. And so in many ways, you know, the dreams that I had when I was younger, I, I really have achieved several of them. I have lived such incredible experiences and my life has been so beautiful. But I've also realized that when dreams come true, they're not really dreams anymore. They become your reality. And what happens when that reality just doesn't live up to whatever it is that you thought it was going to be? And I see this, this happens all the time, right? Like in jobs and careers and in marriage, in families, people have these fantasies of happily ever after or playing house or what it would mean to be super successful in their careers. And then they get there and time and time again, we just see people like it doesn't make them happy. It doesn't actually bring joy or fulfillment. And we're all just left so empty still. It's like the more you try to chase this dream, the more you try to fill yourself with it, and the more you realize that it's not everything that you imagined it would be, it's like the more hollow you begin to feel and the more hope that you end up losing and the more complacent you get with life and you just kind of accept what is. I mean, I remember when I was about to graduate college, I was working in a doctor's office where I developed pretty good relationships with my patients who were mostly older. And they would all ask me, you know, what are you going to do after college? What are you going to do after you graduate? And I would tell them, you know, I wanted to travel. I wanted to write. I wanted to do yoga. I wanted to experience culture. I wanted to learn. I wanted to have some positive impact on the planet. And I mean, the overwhelming response was just kind of like, yeah, I remember when I had dreams you know, I had dreams back then when I was your age and now I've got a mortgage, four kids, a whiny husband, arthritis and back pain, you know, and it it sent me into an existential fucking crisis. And it's like these people have just totally lost hope. And there's a reason that young people that the shit happens on college campuses is because there's so much vigor and life and hope and dreams. And then it's like life just kind of like sucks that out of us. And then we're 
middle-aged and having crises and have lost all hope and are fucking putting our doom and gloom onto other young people. Or there's, you know, the people on the other end of the spectrum who have accomplished everything that they said they wanted to. They've accomplished more, and yet they are still so wildly empty. They are still so alone. They're still so hollow. And I sometimes wonder if that's what causes people to, you know, be driven to such a dark point where it's just not worth it anymore, where it just doesn't doesn't make sense. If nothing is ever going to fill this emptiness, if nothing is ever going to, you know, live up to what I can create in my mind, if I'm, if I'll never actually get there, then what the fuck's the point in any of it? And I have certainly felt that emptiness. I've felt that darkness and I definitely relate to Anthony in that. I'm sure a lot of people do in different ways. And I have been in moments of traveling, of experiencing, and I'm like, if this if I'm still not feeling fulfilled right now, if I'm still feeling so empty, like what could, what will ever give me that, that feeling of life, of, of joy, of fulfillment? And, you know, we place so much of our, of our joy, of, of our definition of a good life on so many external things, whether they're dreams or, or people and, these external factors that we think are going to make us feel so happy, feel so alive. And what happens when we get there? And, and it's just not. You know, I think about this absence of, of hope, this idea of the unattainable dream, this idea of constantly chasing these external factors to make our lives good. It's whether you give up on your dreams and, you know, you live your life and it never feels as good as you or it never turns out as good as you imagined it or if the other end of the spectrum you got everything you dreamed of and it's still not everything you expected it's like this unattainable dream and either way once you lose hope that is the the darkness that I feel overtakes us and it's like the the bigger the world gets the more we experience the smaller we feel the more detached we feel, the further away we feel from this ideal that we have attached ourselves to, this this dream that we want so badly. You know, these things that we thought would make us happy, that feel alive, they just don't. We're here. We're some, something's missing. And for me in my life, that has manifested in chasing, chasing the fantasy, chasing the fantasy, chasing the next what's next, what's new. And, you know, I used to talk to my, I mean, I, I have said, I feel like I've said it here. I've, you know, asked myself, okay, am I running away from something or am I running towards something? And my answer most of the time feels like it's, I'm running towards something. I'm running towards this, you know, this next adventure, running towards this next opportunity, this new place. But in a sense, continually chasing that fantasy or that that feeling that I, I'm desperate to feel is just as bad as running away from all of my problems, right? And in a sense, it's like my my problems fucking chase me as I chase the fantasy, which is part of the problem. But what I've realized is that it's never actually the event or the experience or the person. It's never that that we actually dream of. Our dream is not really for money. Our dream is to feel comfortable and to feel free and to be able to do what the fuck we want to do. Our dream is not really for a partner. Our dream is 
to feel loved, to experience intimacy. Our dream is, you know, not to, to live in this new place. It's to feel this adventure. It's to feel alive. It's to feel mystery. That is what we're actually so attached to. And that is what we place on this external event. And it's kind of, it is manifestation in a sense. Like this is what manifestation is. It's you can't attract what you're not. That's the way a law of attraction works. You you attract what you are, not what you want. And so recently I've started to change my question from my lifelong (laughs) big, huge overall umbrella question of what's next. And I've tried to shift that to think about how will I show up for what's next? How am I going to meet the next opportunity, the next relationship, the next experience, the next place? Because our relationships and experiences, all they are are reflections of our inner world. I can look back on my life and I can see that, my relationships, my seasons, the different places I was in. They're such reflections of where I was at personally, what was going on within me. And it manifested itself within my relationships and within my experience and the life around me, my environment. And guys, hear me on this. What this is absolutely not is victim blaming. You know, oh, so you're saying it's my fault. I attracted this terrible, abusive relationship. Fuck no, absolutely not. But I remember in 2012 when I was in therapy right after the meltdown that was my abusive, manipulative, fucking traumatizing relationship. And one of the first things that my therapist said to me was, well, what's your normal? You attract your normal. And I was fucking offended in the moment. And then I started to put the pieces together of, well, yeah, like my parents had been splitting up and I moved across the country. I didn't have friends in this new place. My life felt like it was in pieces and very chaotic. And of course, that's what I attracted. And it's not our fault. It's not our fault that sometimes our normal is fucking shit. But it doesn't make it okay to not recognize that our normal is fucking shit or that it's chaotic and that it is attracting more fucking chaos and more fucking shit. You know, if our world is filled with hurt and chaos and crazy batshit things, there is a fucking good chance that our inner world is plagued with the same shit. And you know, sometimes it's not even our fault, right? Like shit happens to us all the time. I heard this analogy years ago about, you know, sometimes we, you know, life is like making a cake, right? We're, we're throwing in the ingredients, the flour, the butter. And then it's like, all of a sudden we decide to put fucking gas in our cake. We decide to put dishwasher fluid and then we eat this fucking poisonous cake and we expect, you know, our life to be beautiful, but we're filled with poison now, you know? But then sometimes Somebody else makes a fucking poisonous cake and then they fucking give it to you. And now you've got poison that you didn't put there, but I mean, you didn't knowingly put there. It was kind of inflicted on you, right? Like shit happens to us. Sometimes we eat other people's poisonous cakes that those fuckers give to us because they haven't done the fucking work to get the poison out of their systems. So they, you know, unknowingly, sometimes, sometimes knowingly, especially if you're a fucking sociopath, but like unknowingly spilling this emotional poison into our lives and now we have to fucking deal with it but ultimately at the end of the day like 
it's our responsibility to fucking deal with it. It's nobody else's to, I mean, (laughs) nobody else can have a good life for us. And dealing with that shit and turning it into something is the only way to shift what our outer external world reflects back to us. And that's if we actually want to feel the fruition of our dreams, if we actually want to feel that love, if we want to feel that adventure, how can we show up in a way? How can we become that? How can we shift our internal world to meet those next opportunities in that space? You know, our feelings are, our emotions are signals. They are messages. They ground us in this present moment. Our feelings are what attach us to fucking reality because we can have all these dreams and shit, but like our feelings are what is here now. And if we are constantly chasing these feelings, but are never actually doing the work to experience them in the moment, it's just this constant, there's that chase again, right? Like you're constantly thinking it's eventually going to come to you, but it never fucking does. If you think about those moments where you're just like, fuck yeah, like this is life. Life is fucking good right now. I don't need time's distance or romanticization. Did I say that right? (laughs) Romanticizing. Romanticizing to make you appreciate a moment. And you feel that gratitude. You can feel it in your body. You get those butterflies and you feel so open. You feel light and you're like, fuck, this is, life is good. And it's like, how do we make those moments longer? How can we extend those moments? Because that's all that life really is, right? It's like a collection of moments. And I'm like, if in my mind, if I can have more of those moments than the ones where I like feel fucking crazy and scattered and chaotic and hurt and in pain, then I mean, it, that technically is a good life in my mind. But how do we do that, right? Like, Especially when there's so much fucking chaos, there's so much bullshit always coming our way. How can we extend those moments? And for me, like when I get into those shitty moments, the opposite of the type that I was just talking about, where it's like when it rains, it pours, when shit starts happening and it just fucking escalates and it just cycles and cycles and cycles and then shit's just happening and I lose control and everything is a fucking shitstorm. How can we like make those moments less? And make the former Mormons more. That's, I'm like, now I'm going in circles. You're on it. Just keep going. <laughs> so for me, what this looks like, what this has looked like, is stepping into my power. My own power. And I'm actually a part of a, I'm doing a course right now called Pussy Wisdom. Yes, like following the intuition of your pussy, of your body. It's fucking brilliant. If anybody wants any information on that, totally reach out to me. Um, But somebody said today, you know, if you don't own your power, someone else does or something else does. And it fucking sucks because our true power doesn't lie in our careers or our relationships or our dreams even. All of that shit comes from so far within that power, that freedom, those feelings that we want to experience so bad. Like we already have all of that shit so deeply within us and realizing that is equally as freeing as it is terrifying because it's realizing the responsibility that my life is my own. And it's not something, stepping into this power, it's not something you just, you, I, I 
do one day and then it's like, fuck yeah, I'm powerful and now life is going to be great. Like it is a daily fucking choice to live in my most powerful form, my most embodied form, my most present form. And I fall off of it way more than I'd like to admit, but that's just the fucking reality of it. It's a daily choice to to choose myself because looking within and becoming extremely honest is really the only way towards learning how to use these tools to actually live a life that is fucking good. One with pleasure and connection to ourselves and each other and one where we're not just surviving, right? Like not one where we're just fucking existing, which is one of the things that drives me most nuts about the human experience is it's like this could all be so fucking beautiful. It could all be so amazing, but we're all just meh. Like we're all just existing. We're all just kind of like waking up, doing things that we like need to do. There's no desire. There's no passion. There's no fire. There's no light. It's just like literally waking up every single day and doing the shit that we have to do that we're told that we have to do until we die. I mean, it's fucking depressing. And even if all of life is just a fucking science experiment that's gone terribly, terribly wrong. And all of this shit means nothing. I still can't like that shit's not going to get me out of bed any day. So I have to choose to believe that there is something bigger here working in our fucking favor and that this could all mean something and that there is so much beauty here and it could be so fucking beautiful if we just allow it to be, if we just do the fucking work to experience the shit that we say we want to experience so badly. And this is what ultimately brought me to study sacred sexuality and to study pleasure, to live another quote from this, this course I'm in, to live a desire-led life. And talking a little bit about that today, it's like, what is that? It's, it's just, it's doing what feels good and not doing what doesn't. But that's a whole wormhole that we could, we could certainly go down because then it's like, how do we know what actually feels good? What is pleasure, capital P? What is pleasure, little p? And we can get to that. But ultimately, I realized that, you know, how we show up in our sexuality for our desire, for our pleasure is really how we show up in so many other areas of our life. Again, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know, sex is such an intimate form of connection and it can be scary. You're naked. You are surrendering. You are stating your desires, hopefully. <laughs> you know, you you wonder, you have these anxieties. You wonder if, if they're going to like you, if she's going to talk about the size of your dick with her friends or if he's going to talk about your pussy or your body or the sounds you make with his i mean there's all of this anxiety when we when it comes to truly revealing ourselves and truly being naked and surrendering and whether or not you will have this experience and feel safe to share more of yourself if you're going to feel more confident, if you're going to feel sexier, if you're going to feel more empowered, or if this, you know, experience is going to end up traumatizing and shutting you down further and shutting you off to ever allowing anybody else in. And I mean, this sounds a lot like a lot of our areas of life, right? I mean, business, creativity, our passions, our relationships, the most powerful ones require us to really surrender 
to really reveal ourselves, to be authentic, to be genuine. And that is fucking scary. That's terrifying. Because we are plagued with insecurities and doubt. We are plagued with fear and shame and all of this shit comes, you know, it comes from so many different places. We attach ourselves to perfection, which again comes from this idea of perfection, especially in 2021. It comes from so many different angles, but, and we attach ourselves to it. And then we, we feel so much shame when we don't live up to it. When in our hearts, we all really know that no one actually connects with perfection. I don't look to somebody who's perfect and I'm like, oh, I connect with that. I resonate with that. No, because I'm a fucking shit show. And I really resonate with people who are like, I'm also a shit show, but I've figured out how to make this shit show work for me. I can still live a life that's good and I can still be honest about all of the shit that has come along with it and where I've been and and where I want to go. People connect with authenticity. People connect with, with intention and trust. And I began to see the connection of how we show up for ourselves when it comes to our desires and pleasures in the bedroom and how open and authentic we're willing to be there as in our life, right? I began to practice the full body yes and no, which I'm sure you've heard me talk about if you heard a couple of episodes. This concept of full body yes and no has become so fucking huge in my life. It's like I'm finally... I'm finally really becoming familiar with what it feels like in my body to be like, fuck yes. This is something that I want. Whether it be going on a date or meeting with someone for a business opportunity or do going on a trip or completing a task. And I'm finally becoming familiar with what it looks like when my body's not at a full yes, when I'm, my body feels constricted, when I feel tight, when my body feels like it's closing off. And it's a signal to my brain. It's like something about this doesn't feel right. And the more I honor those yeses and nos, the more I begin to trust myself again, the more I begin to trust my intuition again. In this process, I began to value feeling good and that all of the shit around life being hard and being told how much we have to sacrifice and how hard it almost must be and how we have to fucking grind away in order to be successful or live a good life or we have to do all of this shit in order to feel pleasure at a later time is bullshit. Like, it's complete bullshit. And it keeps us enslaved. It keeps us enslaved to society, a system. It keeps us enslaved to the people who abuse us, who manipulate and control us. It's just not fucking true. When we are living in our power, when we are showing up for our passions and our desires and we are feeling good and we are living that desire-led life, honoring our yeses and nos, we become magnets for all of the good things that we desire in life. That shit just fucking comes to us. That's why when I'm on my queen shit, everything just seems to be happening for me. I will literally go days, weeks, whatever, where I am on my shit. My brain is operating in a healthy space. I am doing the things that are healthy for me. I am meditating. I am writing. I am moving my body. I am checking in with my body. I am honoring what feels good. And I'm saying no to the shit that doesn't. And 
that's when the whole universe is like conspiring for me. It feels like shit just falls in my lap. I can think something and then it will fucking happen. I mean, I literally joke with my friends about my manifestation powers, especially when I am in those spaces because it's literally become a fucking magnet when you attach yourself to the feelings of love, when I attach myself to the feelings of abundance, when I attach myself to the feelings of, of adventure and I begin to experience it my outer world, my external world begins to reflect that every fucking time. But then on the fucking flip side, when I'm feeling shit, when I feel out of control, when I feel like the world is happening to me and life is happening to me versus for me, it happens in the same way, right? It's that energy is, this shit is still getting reflected back to me. It's just on the other end of the spectrum. It doesn't feel good. That's where, I mean, when you think about when it rains, it pours. It's like when one thing happens, fucking everything happens. And I feel like it's because we get in this space of, of like, why me? You know, this shit always happens to me. This is happening to me. That person did this. This has happened. And we literally become victims and that's this victim mentality right complete opposite of queen mentality but they both fucking exist within us at least they fucking both exist within me and I mean in in massive ways I mean some days I can literally feel on top of the world and I'm like am I fucking crazy am I fucking how can these two women exist within my body you know the woman who's so confident and strong and and doesn't give a fuck about judgment or or who knows it's there but it's just like whatever I'm doing me and things are happening and how can that woman exist in the same body that sometimes just feels so weighted down by the heaviness of fulfilling expectations put on me by others or or trying to make everyone happy trying to people please trying to you know prove myself um who's acting out of this out of this wounded really wounded space several weeks ago I had a run-in with myself and my own victim mentality in a pretty gnarly way I was super sad I was just like, woke up. It was just one of those days. I woke up. I was sad. And I think that's fine. Didn't really know why. I was tired. Life, it was just one of those days, like life all of a sudden just kind of felt just fucking heavy. You know, there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And I feel like I could feel that energy. It just kind of filled my fucking space. And now here I am just feeling swallowed up by it all. And I got in my car and I was looking for a new <laughs> tip for my vape. And Sacramento has outlawed that shit, so it's not easy. So I went to like three different stores, definitely cried in my car after the third one. I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. <laughs> Crying in the fucking Barney's parking lot or whatever that grocery store is. And so I'm driving over to like the other side of SAC and I saw a 7-Eleven. I thought maybe they would have it. I look around. I realize I'm not in like the best part of town. There's some shit going on outside the 7-Eleven. There's some shenanigans happening. Typically just in everything, you know, I've kind of been taught. It's like, take a look around your surroundings. If it's not, you know, doesn't look great, maybe just kind of pass it. And normally I probably wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even considered going in the 7-Eleven. And something in that moment happened, which was really scary for me. I just didn't care. I just didn't give a fuck. I honestly just didn't. It was just like this place of complacency of just like, you know what? I really couldn't give a shit what happens to me right now. 
I really don't. And so I parked. I got out. And they, of course, didn't have my fucking vape. And on my way to my car, I was catcalled, yelled at, whatever, got in my car. And I genuinely had the thought once I got back into my car, it just crossed my mind. It didn't even seem like it was my own thought. It was just, you know, I could go to an even worse part of town and I could just park and walk around and just see what the fuck happens. You know, for the first time, though, I was I was terrified of my own for the first time in a long time, I'll say like I was terrified of my own mind of this space that it was in. And I didn't know if I really actually wanted something to happen or if I wanted to like test the universe to prove my, you know, the the worth of my existence or if I just, or if just the thought itself was the test. But it's been a really long time since I've had any really dark thought about my own existence. But this time was different even than, you know, those I've had in the past. I didn't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt myself and I I wouldn't. But in this moment, I wanted to give someone else the power to hurt me. I wanted to be a victim, which is like fucked because I actually do know what it feels like to be a victim at someone else's hands for someone else to victimize me. And it, it's fucked up. It's But in this moment, it was like, I thought about just how much easier it would be if I just didn't have to try anymore, if I didn't have to make decisions, if I didn't have to figure out life, if I just, all of that responsibility was just taken away from me and I like did not have to deal with it anymore. In that moment, I I wanted to give someone else the power. I wanted to give my power away to someone else to decide if I was worthy of living or at least worthy of living the life that I want to live. And I mean, fuck, I want to live an extraordinary life. I really do. And I have. Life is fucking, my life has been beautiful thus far. I've had such incredible experiences, such beautiful relationships, but I've experienced the extremes. My senior thesis in college was about the fear of death, actually. I've kind of always been weirdly fascinated with the idea of death crossing over and how it affects our our day-to-day. So my senior thesis was based on Ernest Becker's The Denial of Death. And basically, he says that every fear that we have in life can be traced back to this ultimate fear of death. I studied how this fear impacts community development, seeing as communities are built of humans who supposedly all experience this deep-seated fear. So that was kind of the premise of my study. But what I found is that people aren't actually afraid of dying, the physical act of dying anyways. One of my interviewees actually said it so perfectly. He said, death has one bullet. We're not really afraid of that one bullet. It's, It's there and it's over. What we're afraid of is living a meaningless existence. We're afraid of being this small, insignificant speck on the universe's timeline. And we're all just on this fucking giant spinning rock, all just trying to figure out fucking why, this question of why, and trying to enjoy the fucking process. You know, we, we're here, <laughs> we're on this fucking rock, we're spinning through space, and we're supposed to have a purpose, 
we're supposed to find our purpose. We're supposed to create this life for ourselves. And we're terrified of never finding our purpose or fulfilling it. And we're terrified of being forgotten, um, of truly dying the last time our name is ever spoken. Coco fucking Pixar reference. Like this is, this exists, you know, we're so terrified of, of being forgotten essentially of being nothing, of being meaningless. And that's why religion, culture, success is so important to us. We ha- we want to li- outlive our our physical death and decay. We want to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And we want to ultimately, I think we want to make all of the fucking shit that we go through worth it. To make our arrival on earth feel like not such a waste. And you know, what I said back then in this paper, what I believed is that, you know, What we're truly afraid of is being involuntarily brought to earth, to life, by no choice of our own. And then we're expected to make something of it. Passions, careers, relationships. But the more I learned about consciousness, energy, the more I realized the victim mindset that I had about existing in itself. I said I was brought here involuntarily. Two people fucking raw dogged and then... I ended up here nine months later and like, like, fucking why? I remember being in college, especially that last semester where these people were putting their like lost dreams on me. And I remember waking up one morning and having just a full fucking meltdown. And I'm like crying. I'm screaming. I'm like, we're just fucking hamsters on a wheel. Like, why? Why does it all matter? Doesn't fucking matter. I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to fucking be born or have to like go to school or learn shit or deal with people or deal with things. Like, and I remember my mom just dead ass looking me in the face and being Lauren, one step at a time. Where's your other sock? And so that's like where I was at, you know, it was very much just like victim of fucking existence. Again, like if I want a beautiful life, if I am attached to this idea, this dream of having this extraordinary mind blowing fucking life, but I'm constantly existing in this state of mind that being here in and of itself is, is makes me a victim. I'm just constantly going to live my life as this victim thinking that things are just happening to me and that I have no fucking choice in it at all. And the more I learned about consciousness, the more I learned about energy, our consciousness is something so big, so grand, and we can't even fucking try to understand it fully. But what I do know or what I feel like I need to believe anyways, and take that for what you will. Again, I said, if this is a fucked up science experiment, fucking awesome. I'm having a great time most of the time, but I think that it makes more sense that there is some fucking great power. There has to be. For all of this shit to exist, there is some type of fucking power, some type of divinity, some type of something, some type of collective consciousness that makes all of this shit possible. And I believe that if that is true, then it is also true that there's no way that I could have been brought here involuntarily. Energy is is recycled. It can never be created. It can never be destroyed. It's it's constantly recycled. So so to some extent, that means that my consciousness, my my conscious energy, my soul, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is has always been here, will always be here. And it's connected to some divine power that makes all this shit possible that 
essentially chose this life, this body, these experiences for me to come down here voluntarily to do whatever it is the fuck that my soul contract has going for it. And you know, sometimes that fucking infuriates me. It infuriates me sometimes that this is what I chose. This is what the consciousness divine, whatever, chose for me. Because I infuriate the shit out of myself. I make terrible decisions. I'm a fucking shit show. I'm avoidant. I am a number of things. However, at least I'm not a fucking victim. Like, at least, at least I have some power now, right? Like, that, all of, being all of that, but still having some form of power, like, feels better than giving all of my fucking power away. But... In this moment, on this day, going back to my 7-Eleven fucking meltdown, it was like, you know, my mission is to live in this power. I want to live in this power. This is my fucking battle cry. I want to encourage other people to do the same. And yet here I was not only feeling like a victim, but actually wanting to feel that way, which is like the most fucked up part. I was wanting to give my power away. And so... I realized this through my stream of consciousness writing, which I mentioned earlier. That's why it's such an important practice. You'll start at the beginning of the pages and you, you I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to write anything. I didn't want to unpack anything. And then it's like five pages later and something within me has, has answered my own questions. Again, like we have what we need kind of inside of us, right? And through this stream of consciousness process, I began to ask myself, Why? Why would I want to feel a victim, like a victim? If, if, if I'm wanting to feel this way on some level, there must be some attractiveness to it, right? There ha- I mean, there has to be if that's what I'm wanting. What's the benefit of being a victim? And it was like, you know, as a victim, things happen to me. I've got no say. It places the responsibility of my life, my outcomes, on someone else, something else. It takes my power away to choose, but it also gives me an excuse. It gives me something or someone to blame for my life being shit. And don't get me wrong, like we, again, like we are all victims of someone or something at some point in our lives, but so many of us live with that victimized mentality so long after we were abused or hurt or initially made to feel a victim. And if you really think about it, it's just allowing that person or that thing to fucking victimize you over and over and over again when we allow those parts of us, those wounds that they inflict on us to make the decisions for us and to author our lives. But as long as it's there, as long as they're there, we have someone to blame. And as fucked up as it is, it does relieve some of the responsibility on ourselves to fucking live a good life. It's someone else's fault, right? I have blamed my dad for my intimacy issues. And I know, I know I am not the only bitch out there who has blamed our daddy issues for our inability to foster healthy relationships and have blamed our daddy issues on why we continue attracting toxic romantic partners. I mean, it's fucked because it it genuinely becomes an excuse. It really does blame my daddy issues. I have blamed the mean girls in middle school for my lack in trust in the genuineness of my female relationships. I've blamed them for my fear of, of judgment within female relationships, my own judgment, for feeling like there's this competition. I have blamed my ex-boyfriend, who was 
a liar and who was manipulative and abusive. You can hear about that shit show in episode one. I have blamed him for making me numb. I've blamed him for my inability to trust myself, for breaking me, for ruining me, for making me never want to be that close to someone else again. I have blamed the man who drugged and raped me when I was 19 years old for my lack of self-worth, for viewing and treating myself like an object and in turn doing the same thing to other people, for treating myself like shit and treating others like shit too. I have blamed all of the men who abused me, violated me sexually, or took advantage of me emotionally for my self-destructive tendencies. And it makes sense to blame these people for these feelings that we feel based on their actions or inactions. But at the end of the day, the longer we allow these wounds inflicted upon us to become infected and to poison every other area of our lives, the more power we give away to these people or these situations that have victimized us the more we allow them to author our lives, the more this darkness wins. And it sucks. It sucks that we have to clean up messes within ourselves that we didn't want or ask or put there. But at the end of the day, that is the only fucking way. It's the only fucking way to take our power back and live a life that is not so painful. We all want our power. We all want power and until we realize that with it comes a shit ton of responsibility, responsibility to heal our wounds that have been inflicted on us so that we can actually have a good life. With it comes risk, with it comes judgment, fucking ridicule, choices to make, chances to fuck up, not living up to our own expectations, falling on our ass. So I guess in the end, the question is like, how fucking badly do I actually want to live in my power? How, how badly do I actually want to live a good life? Or am I just kind of... Again, becoming a victim of, almost becoming a victim of my dream. I'm like blaming this un unfulfilled dream for why I feel so fucking shit. And then what happens then? I end up spilling that emotional poison all over everyone who comes close to me. Is the life I want worth all of the risk? Because while the victim avoids the risk and the responsibility, they give up the fulfillment of authoring their own life. They give away any fucking possibility of fulfilling those dreams and those longings and ever actually attaching themselves to the feelings that they are so fucking desperately chasing. We give our pins away constantly to the other people or to the other things that continually victimize us. And then something I noticed this day, I was like, wow, okay. Starting to name the, you know, the people, the, the things that I feel victimized by. Sorry, I just heard in my head, like, who here has felt victimized by Regina George? <laughs> um, fucking hell. Oh. Anyways, um, then I started to think about, we become victims at the hands of other situations or other people or other circumstances. And that creates these wounds in us. And then the fucking further step, I think, as our lives go on, is that we become a victim 
of ourselves. And your girl is so fucking guilty of this. And I didn't even really realize it until I was having this stream of consciousness. And I was like, who gets to author my life? Is it the victim or is it the queen? And they both, I mean, they are a constant conflict. And I realized like, am I going to allow the victim in me, the darkest parts of me to make the decisions? You know, it's my anxiety's fault. It's my depression's fault. It's my trauma's fault. It's my inability to make a good decision's fault. I have, I can literally blame these, these parts of me that these wounds have created, these things that are within me. And it's like, that's just me. That's just who I am. And so it's now I'm becoming a victim to literally my dark passenger, which this term, I fucking wish that I coined it. If you already know where it's from, you are a real one. It's from Dexter, right? <laughs> the dark passenger in, in Dexter is this idea that we all have this darkness within us. This darkness that existed in Anthony that I have felt that I'm sure so many people feel, some more than others, it exists. But it's a passenger for a fucking reason. In the show Dexter, it's it's always been one of my favorite shows, and maybe it's because I'm fascinated with this concept, but he experiences early childhood trauma that involves murder and blood, and it develops into this darkness within him, this, this hunger, essentially, for murder and blood. But throughout his life, he develops this code in how to channel this darkness because he had to channel it some way. And he develops this code to where he only takes killers, criminals off the streets. And yes, I mean, he's still a serial killer. And that's, (laughs) that is not what I'm advocating here, guys. (laughs) Life is not fucking Dexter. But my point is this darkness within him that existed was going to exist regardless. He acknowledged his dark passenger. He listened to him, but then he also created a code and how to relate to him and how to deal with him in life. (laughs) I think he probably could have gone to therapy or other means. However, the point is, I think the show does a great job of showing when Dexter allows the dark passenger to drive when the dark passenger takes over, shit flies off the fucking walls. But when he is allowing that passenger to exist, but consciously deciding how to manage him, things went a lot smoother for him. The dark passenger, she will always be there. I can't get rid of her and trying to suppress her or ignore her. You know, what you resist fucking persist. And that is when she just eventually explodes. So we have to accept her presence. And Elizabeth Gilbert does a great job of explaining this in Big Magic. You know, we have to acknowledge her because she's fucking coming on this trip anyways. She is a passenger. So we can acknowledge her and she can have an opinion. She can have a say. She can have a thought. But this bitch is never allowed to fucking drive because it's fucking dark. It's a dark passenger, right? You can't see to drive in the dark, but truth, light, authenticity, being grounded in your feelings, that is the side of you who gets to drive the fucking car. And that is the side who acknowledges the dark passenger. We learn from her, but we never under any fucking circumstance allow her to drive our life vehicle or allow her to make the final decisions. My dark passenger helps me be vulnerable. She helps me connect with the brokenness that is very, very real in this world. To learn about life, to learn about humanity, to allow others to show up for me. This darkness has its place. It it can belong if 
we approach her and if we dance with her in this life in a way that can actually work for us. So going back to fulfilling dreams, if I allow my dark passenger, the victim within me to lead, it doesn't fucking matter what's next. It doesn't matter who's next. It doesn't matter what job or what experience or what man. It'll never be fulfilled. I'll never be fulfilled. I will continue looking to all of this external, all of this that's responsible for making me happy because I have no power and I'm going to constantly be chasing. And I, and I know that feeling of fucking constantly chasing. And I don't want that for myself to constantly feel like I'm, I'm going and never arriving. So instead, I get to choose to live as a queen. Hence, thy queendom come. Thy queendom is coming every fucking day. Being a queen and lengthening these moments and these times where we do feel like we are in our queen shit or king shit, it requires that we get in touch with our bodies. So this is where tying back to like sacred sexuality, becoming more embodied, feeling in touch with ourselves, having that intimacy with ourselves, that is how we we begin to trust ourselves again. Because when we live for so long denying those gut feelings and going against our true desires, when we live people-pleasing and stifling our own pleasures and not making them a priority, every time we deny our inner truth, our intuition, we lose trust with ourselves. We lose trust with our bodies. And then we wake up one day and we just don't even know who the fuck we are anymore. We don't know what we actually believe, how we actually feel. We're just so out of touch. Like how often, if we really think about it, how often do we go against what we truly desire? How often do we deny our innermost self of what it truly wants in life. To live in this desire, to be fully honest, to truly live this out, it's gonna require a lot of rule breaking. And this is something that we've talked about in the course Pussy Wisdom that I'm taking. Living like a queen, it requires breaking some rules. It requires breaking rules that have been placed on us by society. And it also requires breaking rules that we've placed on ourselves. Don't be too much. Don't be too loud. Don't be too sexual. Do this. Be this. Say this. Don't say this. Dress like this. Post this. Don't post this. Show up this way. I mean, it's just constantly. We're just constantly fucking going nuts trying to abide by all these rules that we don't even fucking agree with. And every time it's a denial. It's a denial to ourself. Again, we're falling. It's just like naturally we're like conditioned to follow rules in a way that literally programs us to be so fucking far out of touch with our truest selves, with our intuition, with our bodies, with our actual human experience, with our feelings. Breaking our own rules is terrifying. But it is a way to get back in touch with our bodies. You know, meditating and taking a moment to realize where you feel, actually physically in your body, where we feel fear. Where do I feel shame? Where do I feel guilt? Where do I feel anxiousness in these moments, right? Because in the moments of stress or grief, it manifests itself in our body. We can actually feel it. And so taking a moment to do a body scan, 
go from the crown of your head to the tips of your toes and to really tune in. How am I feeling? How is my body feeling? When I think about this situation or this person or this opportunity or this experience, where does it light up in my body? And then thinking, channeling, channeling your breath there, getting in touch with actually how it feels. And Megan, the coach of this of this Pussy Wisdom course was saying that, you know, she says the fear is sensation in your body and it's asking you to expand sensation. So it's asking you, can you expand this feeling? Can you move through it? Also, is it possible to connect ourselves, whether it be through a guided meditation or visualization, which there are shit tons on the internet, YouTube, which have really worked wonders for me. Can we feel or attach ourselves to those feelings that we desire, the feelings that we actually desire. So not the relationship or the money or the career or the experience, but the feelings that we desire from those things. Can we feel those things in our bodies? What does love feel like? What does it feel like to feel loved? Where does that light our body up? What does adventure feel like? How does abundance make our body tingle? And can we tune into those feelings? That is where this kind of movement practice comes in that I'm so passionate about, like embodied flow, ecstatic dance, all of this very heart-centered music that it's kind of the principle of it is to, is to just kind of move through your body, move through what you're feeling. And I was listening to a podcast not long ago and the woman on there I can't remember her name, but unfortunately, but she was talking about how in her sisterhood, they have a commitment to each other and to themselves that every day they will dedicate one song, one song, maybe more if they have time, but at least one song to sit with their feelings prior, to feel what's going on in their body, to really tune in to what their body is telling them, and then to put on one song and just move through it. Don't think, don't think about what looks good. There's no impressing here. It's just moving through this feeling, focusing your breath on this feeling, getting to know your body better. Full body yeses and full body noes. It begins with recognizing them. And in order to recognize them, we have to get back in touch with our bodies. We have to learn how to trust our bodies again. And then eventually we have to learn to honor them. I definitely feel like I've been kind of, in this practice of what does a full body yes feel like? What does it feel like for my body to be excited about something? What does it feel like when I'm, you know, going along with something and it's not a full body yes? Because if it's not a full body yes, it's a fuck no. What does it feel like to go along with something and, the, and to deny myself? Once I began to become familiar with it, then I started to realize the next kind of step is actually honoring those full body yeses and nos. This is what we call embodiment. This is embodying our feelings, our emotions, and allowing them to flow through us and building this trust with our bodies, familiarizing ourselves with what a yes feels like, what a no feels like, what, what sensations do I have in my body when I am lit on fire, when I am excited, and that feeling, again, going back to pussy wisdom... <laughs> I can't believe actually how much this course that I just started last week is really tying into so much of kind of my processing recently. It's all so divine, but this is there's what... A there's a pickup. Do a fucking pickup somewhere here. Uh -huh. Say, hey, 
it was a full body yes to send it with this. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You know, even actually thinking back to signing up for this course, it was literally in the middle of the night and it was pussy wisdom, follow your intuition. And I have, you know, I met Megan briefly in Bali and I've learned a lot from her. I saw her offer this course and it said, follow your intuition. And it just felt like a it felt like a huge fuck yes. It felt like I needed to do this. It felt right. It was a full body fuck yes. I felt it. My my insides lit up and I could trust that spending the money, spending the time was worth it because I was following that that intuition and it just has fit so perfectly into my life and where I'm at right now, which I'm so grateful for. But she talks about how this feeling of when you get those butterflies or, the, or there's those tingles when you going back to those feelings of life just being so fucking good and so grateful and you're tuned in and you're turned on and this is what leading your life with pleasure looks like and learning to recognize those sensations that's just the start right ignorance ignorance is bliss it's not really but we think it's bliss but i think what actually takes lives and and kills us from the inside out is hearing our truths or feeling our desires or knowing what our inner innermost self truly truly desires in life and then rejecting her and completely denying her and living against her for so long and I feel like that just knowing oneself yet denying her time and time again and and not listening or straight up rejecting ourselves that I feel like becomes so heavy a over time and then we end up living our lives for someone for something else so it's about familiarizing yourself with those feelings building the trust and then honoring those feelings and that is a life led with pleasure led with desire we cannot simultaneously experience the feelings of fulfilling our dreams in our reality if we are constantly denying reality itself. And feelings, our emotions are what ground us in that present moment. And if we can get a fucking grip on them, if we can get in touch with them, everything changes. Our reality changes. What we begin to attract, it fucking changes. And it's not always fun. So that's something I've started to think about too is pleasure capital P and pleasure small p, right? Like sometimes an uncomfortable conversation is what needs to happen in order to honor the bigger pleasure, pleasure capital P in our lives. Sometimes confronting a sticky situation means peace overall, right? Just like avoiding conflict and avoiding discomfort. And if you're avoidant like fucking me, then you know what this is like. It's like, no, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good right now. But really, (laughs) I'm not actually living in pleasure, even though I could use that as an excuse. I'm not actually living in pleasure. I'm living in fear. And avoiding those conflict situations and avoiding those conversations or moments actually means greater discomfort. It means you are further away from pleasure, capital P. Saying no now to some things means saying yes in the future. Saying yes to some things means saying no to the future. And it's about being able to tune in and figure out which yeses and which nos truly resonate. As I have said before, every time I deny my body, every time I reject my inner knowing, 
I damage the trust I have with myself. That bridge becomes further. The bridge to experience these feelings in my reality, to feel the feelings of these dreams and longings and fantasies, it just gets fucking further and further and further away. And so to really wrap all this shit up, if you are a stoner like me, (laughs) I'm going to spark the fuck up right now in just like a ceremonial ritualistic sense now would be a good time to like pause roll you up a good little joint or pull your pour you a glass of wine you know we are gonna toast this moment we are going to spark this moment using earth's good old medicine we are all one to put our intention at least put my intention out into the fucking world and i also just i've been at this for a while guys like it's time for a fucking joint and also like cheers up to this shit man like cheers up to fucking recognizing where we play victim recognizing the dark shit within us and fucking owning it and moving forward like the queens and kings that we fucking are but anyways here's to us the queendom all of us here everyone fucking love you guys let's light up we're not done yet we're going to wrap it up with this joint. God, that's fucking good. Honoring my desires, being in touch with them, keeps me fully rooted in reality. It keeps the power, my power, here, now. That is where our power fucking exists. In how I'm feeling, in what I am attracting. That is what's coming next. That is how I am showing up to what is coming next. And I want to be excited for the future, but I can't constantly live there. And I can't attach the possibilities of my life being good or feeling good on some future that doesn't exist yet. Because if I do, I'm just going to be constantly chasing that shit. Again, we attract what we are and not what we want. And I really want to invite everyone to take some fucking time and get in touch with your body. And for me, I have just noticed, you know, when I can actually listen and I can lengthen the time between stimulus and response because we live in a very reactive world right? Like stimulus react. But when we're in touch with our bodies and we can come back to self and say, how is this stimulus? How is this situation actually making me feel? And how do I want to respond? How do I want to respond in a way that I am going to be excited to confront whatever's coming? Because my response, the shit that happens to us, all this external shit, like we have no control over, but we do have control over that response. And in order to show up to that moment fully, the first step is getting in touch with our bodies. And that is the fucking flag that I will fly for the rest of my life. That is why I'm so passionate about becoming more intimate with ourselves and becoming more intimate with each other and fully embodying this human experience and not just fucking muddling through it, shuffling our feet every single fucking day until we fall over dead because that shit's depressing. The producers in the Anthony Bourdain documentary, at one point she says something that struck me 
she talks about how before Anthony had traveled to all of these places and had all of these experiences, he knew about them. He learned about them. He read about them in books and saw them on TV, and, but he had never been there. But then he, he went. He did it. He fulfilled that fantasy, that dream, and it still, it still wasn't enough. And at the end of the day, he says that he felt alone. He felt like he communicated for a living, but he never communicated with the people he loved most, which I think comes from not communicating with ourselves, not with not being in touch with ourself, you know, somewhere along the way, the desire, the pleasure, the hope just kind of went away. And at that point, like, why is any of it worth it? So I definitely don't want to leave on that fucking dark note. Take some time this week, tune into your body, maybe do some writing. For me, that personally helps. Do some stream of consciousness writing, put some pen to paper, set a timer, don't pick that pen up, just fucking get some shit out, meditate, think about it, Ask your body, where do I feel this? Turn on a song and then just move through it and just see what comes up. See how it feels. Build that relationship. And it is not going to change your life overnight. But I promise this relationship that you have with your body, with your physical body, with yourself and with your feelings and with your emotions will make such a huge difference. And I think that's the only way to expand, extend, lengthen these moments in time where we are truly present where we are truly here, we are truly embodied, and we are truly experiencing all of the love and beauty and adventure and connection and gratitude, all the fucking great things we want to experience. And that is the journey I've been on recently. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. I do want to shout out Megan, the coach and creator of the Pussy Wisdom course that I am currently involved in. She has been a real leader, a real teacher to me for some time. And yeah, definitely check out her page and some of the stuff that she offers. Um, Her and her husband, who I took yoga classes from in Bali. They're both wonderful. They also do couples counseling. Um, Yeah, Megan Lambert, at Megan Lambert on Instagram. And let me hear your thoughts, guys. I love to fucking hear from you. And I love to hear your stories, your thoughts, your reflections, your disagreements, your whatever. And with that, I hope that you are all feeling tuned in, turned on, and are experiencing a ton of pleasure this week. I'll see you guys fucking next time. See ya.